This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking Luca. And his pal Alberto, who wants a Vespa. È un'ora che aspetto davanti al portone. Su, trova una scusa per uscire di casa. Fatima dare dalla mamma a prendere la te. Devo dirti qualche cosa che riguarda noi. We are now recording. Out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is Abe. Hello, hi. Out now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies via motion spoiler for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun movie topic. This is about episode 456. Four hundred and fifty-six, four five six. Oh wow, that's nice. That is nice, right? Yeah. We won't get another one of those for over a hundred oh, episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, for four four five six, we are talking Pixar's Luca. The latest film from Pixar, which debuted for free on Disney Plus this week. Uh, we'll, we'll talk all about that. But before uh, before that, let's get to our guests joining us for Luca today. We have from Endor Express, back from herding goatfish. It's David. Yeah. What's up with you, stupidos? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have the slide this time, but next time I won't be so nice. And he stole my gelato on that one. But, uh, also joining us from Fast Film Reviews, cruising in on his Vespa, it's Mark Hoban. Hi, everyone. Mark. Hi, guys. How are you both doing this evening? I'm doing good. I'm ready to get into some uh, animated uh, talk about this new film. Yeah? Yeah, that's how I feel, too. <laughs> good. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad you guys are here. Glad to have you back, as always. Um, we've we've talked plenty of times already this year, so I'm, I'm just I'm just happy to have everybody here to talk a fun summer movie. I feel is the the gen, at least the general takeaway. We'll get to what we all thought of it, but I, I think that's an easy enough statement to make. But uh, before we do that, let's do some let's do some show notes. First up, new commentary track. We guys we talked about the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> And when I say we, I mean Abe was actually on this commentary what? track for a change. <laughs> the two of us, as well as guests, talked about the Fast and the Furious this month for the commentary track uh, for the upcoming, in honor of the upcoming F9 colon The Fast Saga. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. It was a good movie. Yeah. And uh, you can find that commentary and all the other things we do on iTunes, where you can also rate and review our show, which would be great. Thank you so much in advance. I would say there's a summer gamble update, but there's not really because Mm-mm. Luca did not go to theaters, so there's nothing. That's right. To... I think you sent a message about that. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't send a message about that. I sent a message about something else though. Oh. <laughs> uh, Related because, to because, the summer box office gamble. Yeah, the summer box office gamble, which of course is where we all tried to predict the top ten highest grossing films of the summer. This time for the global box office. Um, the, the big shakeup right now is that Hotel Transylvania, a major factor on many of our lists, has moved to October. Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't even know that. Well, it's shake above the century. It's moved to October, and Boss Baby has moved from late September, like literally the last week of this contest, up into July. Right. Uh, so we're uh, kind of conferring with all of our various guests, including Mark, who needs to check his messages, um, that we are um, trying to do a little switcheroo, basically, to kind of figure out the arrangement here to make sure everyone how has like a, a, dare 20th century fox do that to boss baby make sure everyone has a fair shot uh, as far as handling this change mm-hmm. uh, 
but uh, you know. So I, I take it if we have Transylvania in our top ten, then we take one of our dark horses, put that in our top ten, and then pick a new dark horse. It's the idea is that we're all basically wherever Boss Baby two, or sorry, wherever Hotel Transylvania is, take that out, and then you can either swap that entirely with Hotel Transylvania or with ba- bleh, these movies with Boss Baby. <laughs> or you could shove all the movies above that down one and then put one of your dark horses as the number 10 slot. Mm. Okay. So it's one of those two options. So far, everyone's just swapped it out with Boss Baby 2. That's, that seems to be the running theme. <laughs> but yeah, th- that's how we're making this up. This is all technical. <laughs> it will not matter months from now. <laughs> but we just know we take this very seriously. All mm-hmm. right. Let's, um, let's move on. Speaking of serious, do a little thing we call Outlet of Cookies. Yeah. Trademark. Very serious indeed. All right. Uh, Mark, let's talk to you for a second. What have you seen recently? Um, Let's see. Oh, you know, I did actually start to watch. Um, I haven't actually finished it, but I started watching uh, Bo Burnham Inside. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess, I mean, I think he has a way with like songs and i think some of his uh lyrics and and music are enjoyable but i i i don't not on board with it as much as everybody else is i i i only was mildly amused by it i i, I didn't think it was the the i mean at one point it was 100 percent on rotten tomatoes and it, it's okay but i it, it didn't like charm me as much as i think it charmed the rest of the critical establishment how do you guys feel about that film I mean, for one thing, it. Abe loves it. I like yeah. it. I like it quite a bit. But I, I mean, I would emphasize that it's not about just being a comedy show. Like it is a fairly in-depth look at just this guy's mind and like how that relates to everybody's experiences during the pandemic. Like there's a lot of there's a good amount of like introspection and drama to go with the admittedly funny songs that are going on throughout the thing. Yeah. So it's very self-referential and he sort mm-hmm. of does things and it's kind of like you want to criticize him for doing the very thing that he's criticizing. And then he says in his song, Oh no, I'm aware that I'm doing this. And it just, I don't know. It's a little headache inducing for me. There's a, there's a song called white woman Instagram. (laughs) And I feel like this song would be funnier if it was actually coming from a white woman, not from a straight white man. So it's that kind of like lens that I sort of makes me, a little like okay you're it's it's a little he's a little douchey and then he says yeah i know i'm douchey so it's okay but i kind of like well if you're douchey and you say you know you're douchey is that okay and i'm kind of like no it doesn't but yeah it it also like this is this is not to like take away from from your opinion on on uh inside but like do you know like bo burnham's stance like on the internet and like on pop culture writ large yeah, I saw his yeah. uh, I saw his previous uh, comedy special, and I and I yeah. got I got enjoyment out of that. And of course, <laughs> hello, eighth grade was my favorite yeah. film of that particular. It was year. it's a fantastic so film. I, yeah, I'm, so I'm, he like I'm, hates I'm, internet culture and yeah, thinks I'm like it's like a cancer. Yeah, a fan. Yeah. Yeah, and so like I love that it just like burns everybody that is doing something on the internet because he basically uh, he he you know calls himself out too like he started on the internet. But I love that. Everything that he's done in this special is it's almost as if like it was better than anybody on the Internet could have made it. And I think that's what what is like burns some of the YouTubers, but also just how creative and, and incredible that this thing is. But yes, I mean, to each their own. If it doesn't I, drive, then it doesn't drive. 
I think the musicality of his songs are great. I mean, like yeah. some of the stuff is like brilliant. I, I like it. It's got like a one of the songs sounds like the Postal Service, and there's another one that reminds me of um, uh, what's the oh, gosh, I can't think of the um. What's the song? I'm on a boat. The uh, from Lonely Island. Lonely Island. It's yeah. a little Lonely Island vibe and that kind of stuff. So I, I get all those references, and 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 he is very talented in that respect. And he's very like like I said, he's very self-referential. So I mean, it's very meta. But it starts to get a little bit. I don't know. It's a bit much. Sure. So and then and then when you see 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, and then I'm like, okay, it's not that great. I, it, you start to like you know be a little yeah. more critical of it. But well, anyway. again, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes just, you know, everybody right, can give right. it a six it, out of ten and still, right, it's still 100 percent. Right. Or three out of five. Yeah, yeah. not a great aggregator. But, but where, where are you in the special? Like, are you halfway through or? Yeah, I, I saw I, I went about halfway through it. OK. Yeah. Um, and then uh, a little more positive or much more positive. I loved In the Heights. I saw that within the last week and uh, I just thought it was wonderful. I, I think it's a it's a great um, lots of wonderful set pieces. The music is is enjoyable. I, I, I loved um, 96,000 uh, and then um, the uh, the song at the end where uh, the uh, Carnival de, del Barrio, mm-hmm. those, yeah. those like those are like the highlights. But there's lots of moments um, where uh, Lin Manuel Miranda knows how to put together a musical, and I think the set pieces are better than the story itself. But I think as a whole, it's a it's a really enjoyable experience, and and uh, I I've been singing its praises ever since I saw it. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> All right, uh, David. How about you? What have you seen recently? I've also seen In the Heights. I thought it was really a fun watch. Um, what else did I see? Cruella, which I thought was entertaining, but I really just hate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, it, I'm drawing a blank because I'm actually watching a lot of programming. I'm watching Loki, Bad Batch. I'm actually um, well, those watching are things you can mention those if you want to. Yeah, I'm just there's tons of television in my life, so I, I can't remember um, anything. But um, but yeah, are you enjoying the Loki Pokey? I love Loki. Yeah, that's it's amazing. Yeah, I I I want the I want the remaining four episodes to be good as the first two episodes. <laughs> yeah, so we'll or see I want them to be better, but I'll be fine with. Well, yeah, if they're better, that's also great. But yeah, if they just hold <laughs> yeah. on to a certain consistency, that'd be a nice change of pace for these Marvel shows so far. For uh, sure. I mean, already two episodes in, it's better than both of the previous TV series we've seen. It, it so certainly yeah. has has me has me ready to see more. That's for sure. Indeed, yeah. I I also have just been keeping up with Loki. Um, finished episode two last night. Thought it was uh, I I like where they're taking this in terms of it doesn't really feel necessarily right now as though it's a stepping stone toward. I mean, kind of. It feels like the the multiverse of madness kind of thing, but it it certainly doesn't feel like where WandaVision and um, Falcon and Winter Shoulder sort of took its place of like, cool. Well, this is just like where we're gonna introduce you to Sam uh, as the new Captain America, and you know, it's it's about uh, something about depression and deep love, and then all of a sudden it's just like, by the way, she has new powers now. It doesn't. I re- I really don't know where this is going just yet. But I do like that there's some philosophical questions about this, and I, I really dig Owen Wilson in this like government, you know, office worker type role. It just it kind of really works. So it, it's yeah. the it's the midnight in Paris reunion you didn't know you needed. 
<laughs> that's such a weird yeah i guess it is yeah involving time of course as well right <laughs> anything else you watched it uh besides um a little bit of moneyball no did you finish the thing that you did you finish cool I, hand I luke i did not finish cool hand luke no <laughs> just seems he's like still, he's still just there in frame talking to his mom <laughs> all right <laughs> like you he, started it you started it i started it, it and somehow I hasn't finished it, it. <laughs> yeah oh hmm soon it's Dude. a good movie. Almost, almost imp- Thank you, Mark, for that understatement of the year. Yeah, <laughs> Jeez. All right. Uh, I've seen a few things I'll mention real quick. First up is uh, Fatherhood. This is mm. a new Kevin Hart film that was originally going to be in theaters before it got sold to Netflix by Sony. Um, it is quite good. Um, Kevin Hart is very good in it. The movie is very much a comedy drama. Um, it plays down... It's very, you know, um, dialed down Kevin Hart for obvious reasons. The film involves him as a as a new father. His wife passed away basically during labor, um, and so it's on him to raise his daughter. And while there is a bit of, like, sitcom-y, like, he's a new father. How can he do these things? Like, that's not too much of the film. It, it still it, it provides a, good, a solid comedic drama as far as him trying, you know, trying to be this person. I, it's... The story's not going to, like, break any new ground as far as what it's trying to do. But in terms of, like, presenting this tale that has, you know, its share of emotion and bits and what have you, I think it does it really successfully uh, for, you know, for what it is. So, I no, I, I liked Fatherhood. Um, I also watched um, Werewolves Within. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie comes out, I think, a week from now in theaters and goes to VOD on in July. But it's the new film from Josh Rubin. He did the film Scare Me last year. I was not huge on, but this one I'm much more huge on. Uh, I think it's very uh, funny in what it's doing. It's a com- it's a comedy horror of sorts. The horror I wouldn't say is so much as scary as much as it just may or may not involve a werewolf. So there's naturally some tension in various scenes. Um, it's based off an Ubisoft video game, um, making this maybe by default one of the best video game movies I've seen. Um, but it <laughs> essentially focuses in on a small town in Vermont where Sam Richardson uh, plays a newly arrived uh, police police uh, deputy or chief, police chief, um, mm-hmm. and slowly things start, murders start happening. And he and the various other townsfolk, played by a lot of recognizable funny people, all eventually kind of gather into a single location and try to assess if one of them is causing what's happening or if there's something else going on or whatnot. It's basically a big excuse for a lot of funny people to be together in a room and do a lot of funny things. It's, it's a, a lot of clue vibes uh, going mm-hmm. on in that respect. Um, but I think the movie's just successful overall in what it's doing. I think the the cast works. Sam Richardson, I think, is really he's a he's a strong talent. I like him quite a bit, and seeing him in like a lead role like this, let alone a black lead in a werewolf movie, uh, that's uh you know I like that. <laughs> that's not something I you know get to see all the time. Well, I can't solve this mystery. Can you? <laughs> Well, I'll try. It's my job, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my gosh, that was the Simpsons reference. <laughs> yeah, we do a lot. Of really, that. really obscure, but I got it. But uh, Werewolves Within, I, I quite recommend it. I think it's quite good. Okay. Where'd you see that? I I had a screener. I mean, it technically, it debuted at Tribeca this week. Uh, I saw it a few weeks back at this point, but I can finally talk about it. Um, but it it does it comes to theaters next week, and then it's on VOD a week after that. So mm-hmm. it'll it. be available. Uh, and the last thing I'll mention is Gaia. This is a new horror, horror film. Movie. Yeah, it's uh, is it Neon? 
Uh, I think so. Yeah. I think it's neon. Yeah, neon. Um, it, this is a. This is I, like I'm liking this subgenre that we've gotten lately of eco horror, like horror taking place like in the environment, things like mm-hmm. annihilation or like in the earth from a couple of like a couple months ago at this point. Uh, or the happening. The ha- yeah. The, the, Remember the, the, how the, great that movie was? The granddaddy of them all. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this: happening, not my least favorite Shyamalan film. <laughs> But, um, mm, okay. in fact, I, I lean closer to liking it every now and then because of how, like, oh, weird yeah. it is compared to I, the other I am, ones. I am not of that mindset. There are others that are just straight bad. This one at least has some quirkiness going for it. <laughs> regardless, this movie, Gaia, it is creepy. Uh, it gives you, it it's it's filmed in South Africa, but, like, not in, like, the jungles, more like the forests of South the Africa. Movie, the movie poster is creepy. It is. Like, yeah. That, <laughs> and, that, it, but it got me interested. And the movie, it delivers on that. I think it it gets a little lost in its story in the back half, but, like, the setup for this thing is really strong. You get these great, like, drone shots of this area. They start out, like, upside down, so they're, like, messing with you. The aspect ratio kind of subtly changes every now and again. It involves this park ranger who is basically gets stuck in this environment and these two like survivalists are they essentially save her and have to kind of keep her in their at their their like their um, their home um because there's just something out there in the the wood it is <laughs> and um <laughs> uh which includes things like creepy fungi that's like emerging in random places and whatnot but the, it's it, this movie's mainly about the atmosphere uh, the atmosphere is really moody and really creepy it it had me like it it had you know for a movie watching a movie in my room where I like to you know for a horror movie especially I try to like you know make myself situate so I could like feel what's going on and this it did the job it did a good job of like getting me into this mode of like oh I'm creeped up by what's happening here I think the yeah. vis- the visuals are really inventive there's a lot of good cinematography going on uh, I think the trio of performances are quite strong like it no it's just a it's a solid movie uh, certainly for you know for a smaller film I'd certainly you know recommend seeking it out if you can find it I believe it's in theaters currently and it'll probably I think it also has like a thing where we'll get a VOD eventually. Or no, I think it's at the same time. I think it's both theaters and VOD. Regardless, Gaia. It's uh, quite good. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. That's about quickies. Trademark. Let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk, where we uh, we talk about some of the newest trailers of the week, what we thought of when they're coming out, what have you. This week, I want to do something a little bit different, because we have a trio of animated films that are all arriving at various points in the year. Uh, I figured instead of going over them one by one, I figured, why don't we like just assess like which of these stands out to be something that actually might seem like something we want to like check out at at some point uh so this week the the three upcoming animated movies we have are boss baby colon family business the sequel to of course boss baby yeah hotel transylvania colon transformania because you see it's a pun Mm -hmm. and then there's of course ron's gone wrong there's no pun there. It's just he's gone wrong. It rhymes a little bit, I guess. That's the thing. Uh, so these are these are three movies. We got two sequels. One, of course, is equal to the Boss Baby. One is a, the third sequel to Hotel Transylvania, and of course, Ron's Gone Wrong, which is an original film featuring Zach Galifianakis as like the worst Siri, <laughs> the worst Alexa, I guess. But uh, w- with that, David, let's start with you. Go, going on these three options, what, which one of these is like the most intriguing? To you? <sighs> Oh God! So <laughs> I've I've never seen any of the Hotel Transylvanias, um, but I'll have to say that that one probably intrigues me the most. It's it's weird because it's just the the premise is that a monster is turning the the main characters of monsters are turning 
regular human and then the human son-in-law is turning into a monster and, and and chaos ensues i mean it's actually not i mean i really don't need to see that movie at all but it's actually more i'm i'm more it's more of a curiosity of how they're gonna wrap this up in a little tidy little bow um because boss baby looks terrible um and ron goes wrong it just, I don't it's know. one of those where it makes the original look good. Yeah, right. It does, and I and I don't I don't know what what is going on. They're all like trying to drink out of this bottle, and they're all they're also transforming. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're uh, yeah, and uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of tired of the, like the kid in the robot machine thing already. Like I'm tired of that premise. Mm-hmm. So. Mark, Mark, how about you? Where, where are you at with these three? Yeah, well, so it's a little bit by default. So I, like David, have never seen a single Hotel Transylvania film. So I actually kind of like set that aside. Then Boss Boss Baby, I have seen the first one. Wasn't a huge fan. I I know people sort of love to hate it. I didn't, you know, I didn't think it was the worst thing I've ever seen, but nothing to write home about. So Ron Gone Wrong is probably the one that I would say I'm most interested in seeing with that said i i i not that interested in seeing it but <laughs> but but of this group i would say that would be the one that like intrigued me the most for for the first time doing this premise i look forward to doing it for movies that like you're really excited to see and see how that like turns out when we talk about this again but abe how about how about you where are you with this I, i'm in the same boat as david i'm just like i have never seen any of the hotel transylvanias maybe like five minutes of the first one but I, just from watching all these trailers, first of all, Boss Baby, that's a definite no. That's third on my <laughs> list, regardless of whether I've seen that the trailer. That looks really – I mean, it's awful. Like, the, I mean, the, did, the trailer like, – it's, it's almost like you, you thought the first one was bad. We're going to up the ante. I this, hope, it, I hope looks, it makes $400 million and we all have to compete just, for the summer gamble. Just me? Yeah. <laughs> no, just for the summer well, gamble I mean, sake. So that, that as you know, that doesn't mean anything about quality, but yeah. It's just funny. The idea I, 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 hope that, I hope that the people who worked on it get to send their kids to college and right. you know they all have happy lives. So You know, Alec Baldwin has enough money doesn't he and the other thing is also like didn't it have a, a netflix series or some, some yes. tv series already like it's crazy like people you know, can't get enough of that house, baby after doesn't it but i'm all on board for hotel transylvania for giving more of that goofiness i don't know how these movies keep making like 400 million dollars but hey get on you keep on buying those summer homes and uh, hopefully Chris Rock has a larger part. Okay, so what are you choosing? What you do? Are you choosing? Hotel Transylvania. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the most interesting one to me. It's funny that you both are choosing a film that you've never seen any of the the entries, well, and so that's why I didn't pick it because I'm yeah. like I've but, never. But been I'm also interested. on the same boat of David of just like yeah, this trailer for um, Ron's Gone Wrong. It's like I, it looks- I you've seen it, you've seen the movie, <laughs> and you know I'm just not that interested in seeing another like. Hey, let me let me a scared kid meets like a new but friend and it's an original this, quote unquote original, original you know right. yeah this, this concept has ended so up way more negative I than I really realized it would be. <laughs> this isn't your intention, wasn't it? <laughs> let me, uh, I mean, no, I in, a, in a weird way, Aaron, you you might actually need to bring us back for. Hotel Transformania. <laughs> oh, I intend to now. This is the this yeah. is the next the, the the four of us are going to talk about Hotel Transformania. <laughs> but, I don't, but wait, 
But wait, you need to have either me or Abe go back and watch the first three. Yeah, and we'll split one it of up. us never, oh, never I'll, I'll get into it right now. First up, let me, Abe, let me tell you how big the Boss Baby franchise is. <laughs> There's a, is, it, is it a billion well, dollars? Let me, no, no let, me tell, let me tell you. There's a TV series that, David, as you said, it's Boss Baby Back in Business. It right. has gone four seasons, 49 episodes in one special. Four seasons? And 49 episodes in one special. Pierce Gannon, the, the Rainmaker from Looper, voices one of the characters. Uh-huh. There's also, of course, the short film The Boss Baby and Tim's Treasure Hunt Through Time. Mm-hmm. And then there's The Boss Baby, colon, Get That Baby, the TV special from last year. Okay, who's watching all this stuff for Boss Baby? <laughs> People that I guess watch. You just turned on for your kids. Today's then, audience for Rugrats is the same audience that watches yeah, Boss yeah, Baby. It's children, yeah, obviously. Well, give me yeah. give me the Rugrats. So, so as far as my I go on this, I mean, yeah, Boss Baby, I was not a fan of. I I think it's, you know, you pitch me. Alec Baldwin voices a baby that sounds like a businessman. That sounds like a great 10 minutes. And then there's also another 80, and I'm like, okay, that was a thing that happened. Uh, Ron's gone wrong. I, I'm not against this. I'm not as tired of kid and robot, I guess, as you are. And I like Zach Galifianakis. And it also stars Alberto himself, Jack Dylan Grazer, as the kid. So, like, that's, you know, that's something. But, I mean, yeah, it, it's not the biggest first impression. Uh, Hotel Transylvania. I've seen the first Hotel Transylvania. Not my favorite. I don't dislike it, but it's just like, ah, oh, that's a thing I saw. I never saw the sequels, yet I have them, and I do plan to watch them at some point, because I do like Jendi Tarkovsky, the director of the <laughs> yeah, first three. He's he's great. So I'm like, if he's attaching himself to these, then, you know, something must be going on here. And, you know, monsters, universal monsters. Cool. I'm into that. That right. said, Tarkovsky did not come oh. back for the fourth one. So You wrote it, apparently. He, yeah, he's a story by credit. And, um, and, and for some reason, Adam Sandler but, didn't return By the way... <laughs> I'm looking at the voice cast of Ron's Gone Wrong. Olivia Coleman is doing a character. The, the, the Mitchells clean. versus the Machines, Olivia Coleman? Right. <laughs> yeah, so that just further reinforces my excitement for this movie. <laughs> well, I get, I am leaning on Hilltop Transylvania because I, I'm more interested in, based off these premises, this is the one that interests me, interests me the most. I think the trailer, it's not a bad trailer. Ooh, like, yeah. I think it does the job. <laughs> Take that, Mark. Yeah. And I, like even regarding the sequels, I feel like it's a pretty. I mean, I don't think the the backstory I'm of the Hotel Transylvania. I'm not going to die on on this hill of Ron's gone wrong. Like I, I'm fully admit well, that they're all kind of Academy like. Academy Award. No. We're just like, sorry, Mark. <laughs> no, that's not happening. What what if it what if it does though? What if Hotel Transylvania turns out to be the just the the one that just reshapes your whole thoughts on the Transylvania franchise and goes on to get all this acclaim. The one that doesn't have Adam Sandler. It doesn't have the same director. <laughs> well, I, so I like it when my expectations are upended. So that would be fine with that. Well, all I'm hearing is to be continued when we talk about this movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> On October 4th. When does Dune come out? Is that the same week? Is it the same week as oh, Dune? Oh, no. Will be a, will be a, um, a double episode. I bet you that it's going to have more more dollars. It than is. Dune. It is the same week. It's October 1st. <laughs> oh, no. There it is, guys. Hey, but, you know, um, <laughs> Transylvania has uh, Steve Buscemi and Jim Gaffigan, Mel Brooks, uh, Ian McShane, Keegan-Michael Key, Catherine Hahn, Andy Samberg. These are, like, huge giants. Yeah. Yeah, it's got the whole, it's got the Happy Madison crew and more. It's got all except, except for Madison himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he left. <laughs> he was too but, busy to record for a weekend. <laughs> He gave David Spade a job, though, so that's... He, he, David and, Spade's and, been working steadily in the the Transylvania franchise. So. All right, regardless, 
these movies, Boss Baby, Family Business opens July 2nd, Hotel Transylvania, Transformania opens October 1st, and Ron's Gone Wrong opens just right on October 22nd. So, there you go. Great Halloween. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, the Adam Family 2 is supposed to come out in October also, so you're going to get a lot of Halloween action for your... I can't Actually, wait. the, the uh, rescheduled here. release date for um, Transylvania that makes a little more sense. Oh yeah, for sure. It's just weird that they're like now there'd be I guess Boss Babies it, but like there's just no animated movies this summer <laughs> beyond the Boss Baby, which we're all obviously grabbing to see. And obviously this movie we're about to talk about. Baby. But I mean, it I was going to say well, we can talk about like the idea of why this didn't you know go to theaters and stuff because I'm interested in hearing what like you guys think oh, like why well let's do that let's get to, let's get to all of that and more now in our main review for luca hey leave them alone hop on go start the club for losers my name is julia marcovaldo we underdogs have to look out for each other what's under the dogs <laughs> this is my dad why do you think he kills with those anything that swims your life is so much cooler than mine. There's a million things you think you can't do. All you need is a chance to try. Something's fishy with you two. This is too dangerous. I know your problem. You got a Bruno in your head. A Bruno? Say, Silencio Bruno. Silencio Bruno. Louder. Silencio Bruno. Silencio Bruno. Silencio Bruno. Silencio Bruno. Can you still hear him? Nope, just you. Good. Now hang on. You do it now. Just say the thing. What's wrong with you, stupid <gasps> old? That should have been some of the trailer for Luca. Set on the Italian Riviera in the 1960s, the film follows Luca Pagoro, a sea monster with the power to turn <laughs> into a human when he's on the surface, although he's never been he's never been until he meets Alberto Scopano. The two become friends, and one thing leads to another, and the boys find themselves living in Porto Rosso. A seaside town where they befriend a young girl. Are we all doing this? Where they befriend a young girl named Julia Bacavallo and work towards competing in a big race where the boys can reach their dream of owning a Vespa. The film is di- <laughs> the film is from director Enrico Casarosa, who first made a Pixar impression with his short La Luna. David. I think we just lost. <laughs> David. What? What are your What are your thoughts on on Luca? All right, so the remaining people who are still listening, uh, here's, I really liked it. I thought it was charming. Uh, it's very, it's it's simple. It's so, so simple, but there's uh, there's an innocence to it. It's a very, like, you know, boys coming of age kind of thing. It has, it has some un- undertones that they're not really exploring, but if you look into it, it's there. The, you know, you're, you're, kind of not being your true self even though you look like everyone else is kind of the theme that i'm seeing in this movie and finally revealing themselves in a way um but uh but i thought it was so so charming the way it was animated the the look of it the music the score the song selection i was kind of, i 
I know that there's a lot of people that might just see this and be like, eh, it wasn't that amazing. But for me, it the how simple it was and how innocent it was was actually what makes this one of my top ten Pixar movies. So oh. I really like it. Okay. Mark Hoban, what did you think of Luca? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to cut right to the chase. I'm right there with David. I loved this movie. I think part of the reason is Pixar itself has not promoted this film in the way it has promoted other things. Soul, for example, got much more of a push last year than this did. And I would actually put this film above Soul. I think it's I think they're comparable. So I, I think they're they're very closely related in my listing of Pixar films, but I would put this above Soul. And you know, the fact that it it's not in theaters, it's only on Disney Plus. There wasn't a whole lot of promotion. It led it's me to in believe... theaters. It's in theaters. Is it? It's it's, yeah. a, it's in El Capitan for one week. Oh, okay. okay. There it's you it's go. not in Sorry. theaters. I know what you mean. But, yeah. Incredibly limited one theater. Got it. It made 80,000 right. this weekend. Hey, man. So. Good. <laughs> but I, don't it's think, a... I don't like how they've been treating the, the Pixar guys. Mm -hmm. I, I think that the promotion was much lower than what I expected. And mm -hmm. I think one of the things that Pixar does really well is create these landscapes and the, the world. And the way that it creates Italy it really makes it come alive in a way that, you know, films like, you know, Call Me By Your Name or um, or I don't know, Roman Holiday or, or things like that, that that are set in Italy have a way of bringing about that culture. And, you know, it's it's books, it's telescopes, it's gelato, pasta. And then, of course, most importantly, Vespas, which is like it's almost like an advertisement for Vespas because it like makes it sound like the you know the greatest thing ever. It, it made me want to own one, and I think it 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 creates all of that sort of enjoyment of life. Of course, it is literally a fish out of water comedy, and uh, the the boys sort of come to uh, appreciate this sort of human world of Italy and we as the audience come to appreciate as well and it it really made it come alive and you know there uh, there's these themes that I think so that sort of percolate underneath the surface uh, again it's it's one of these sort of you know uh, accept people that are different from yourself and yes we've seen that before but I think it it can it can be meaningful to a variety of different people depending on you know your perspective and it I've seen it interpreted many different ways, and I think they're all valid. And I think that definitely gives it a little bit more depth. But it's also a very, you know, simple tale. And I, I think that simplicity is something to also be appreciated. And yeah, I just I, I think it was a, a really uh, wonderful film, and and definitely a a definitely a, a hallowed uh, entry in the Pixar canon. I, I don't disagree with you guys either. I do think it's very enjoyable, and a lot of that comes from the fact that it's not resting a heavy weight on its shoulders. It just wants to be the thing that it is, which is a movie. It has inspirations. It has a lot of heart put into it. It has a core theme involving friendship and coming of age and what have you, which is commendable. I can't necessarily say I put it in the upper echelon in the same way, but that doesn't mean that I didn't appreciate the film. I think it's a perfect summertime movie to enjoy. I mean, I can, I, I think it, putting, putting aside like what the relative quality I want to assign to this movie is, I think what's great about Luca is the fact that 
I may not go back to certain movies I watched this year, despite me appreciating them more, but I know I can go back to Luca because it's not asking much of me. It's asked me just to enjoy these this, these boys' friendship and like what they experience in the, over the course of this film, which also includes a number of other things involving other characters and the fantastical nature of things. I really liked seeing more overt references to stuff in this film compared to other Pixar movies. I think there's a, there's a good dash of Miyazaki in here, which, if anything, I wished it embraced more. Um, and, of course, you know, the, um, Castle Rosa, he's said himself that Fellini was a big influence on the film, and, like, obviously not directly in terms of storylines or what have you, but you could, I can see what he's, where he's coming from as far as, like, how this movie looks. There's a, you know, there's a great, like, expressionist way of presenting its Italy in the Italian Riviera and the sea life and everything. Like, I just think really works well. And it's just, it's fun. Like, it's it's so, it's breezy and it's fun. It has this nice voice cast where, again, it feels like people that are cast because they fit the roles as opposed to name going for big stars. Besides, of course, Jacob Tremblay, one of the nation's greatest actors. Uh, one of Canada's greatest actors, I'm <laughs> One sorry. of Canada's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but no, it all just, I think it all just comes together quite well as far as presenting me this nice, fun tale. I have, like, some qualms with it, which we'll get to, but for the most part, no, I, I just really enjoyed what this was and the time that it's coming out as far as the kind of level of energy it's bringing during the summer. It's like, yeah, this completely fits in that realm. Abe, how about you? What did you think of Luca? I'm going to come in hot here. Um, so Luca is not a very deep story. And it's like what Mark and David was saying. It's it's simplistic in its nature and it's simplistic in like what it's trying to accomplish. Um, the characters are who the characters are. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of backstory. I mean, the, the main crux of the issue is just that um, we have uh, Luca going to be sent to his uncle's house um, in the, in the bottom of the ocean. And that's kind of like what spurs everything and keeps it keeps it going. You know, there's like hints of other things that are going on with like Alberto's life that we never really get into, which I, I credit the movie for not needing to get into those things. Um, and it's it's kind of like, you know, one of those where like the animation doesn't like blow you away necessarily. It's great like the way in the way that Pixar is great. Um, and it certainly it, like there are I think there's there's like a really beautiful like, you know, um, color palette with the Riviera City. Uh, so the classic Italian colors and, you know, it, it's not as though like I wasn't impressed by the water and all the animation there. I am. But where, as far as like, oh, I was just like totally blown away by uh, Finding Nemo when I first saw the it open and you see like the sea anemones and whatever else. And so like with all that being said, though, like I love this movie. Like, I think that there's just a really simplistic thing about it. And I know that I was faulting it for that just a second ago. But I think what I really like about it is that it just charges into what it needs to charge into immediately. Like, you get a quick setup of who Luca is and, like, where he, where he is. And then you just go ahead and meet Alberto and you are where you are. Um, the other thing I really like about this is, like, I just found it super sweet. You know, this is a, an incredibly sweet movie in that it's just about friendship in the summer and how fast you can make friends with these um, new people that you meet, whether that's Julia or Alberto or even like their dad, um, Massimo. Uh, and I just really liked that it was this movie that, that got to where it needed to go. It established who these people are, these characters are. It makes you like the characters. It even has hints of like, like, not there's no real antagonist in this movie, but there's hints of division. 
And then like the last 30 minutes like kills me. Like it makes me feel like I I, there's like a weird nostalgia factor to this movie. But there's also like just this really beautiful, heartfelt stuff toward the end of the movie that (laughs) I don't know if I was like necessarily expecting. it. I should be because it's a Pixar movie. But I was just like, I don't I, I man, there's just so much sacrifice or so much like love here that I was just like kind of overwhelmed by it uh, to some degree. I was like, this is, this is really nice. And Aaron, I think you touched on it just very briefly toward the end of your brief synopsis, which is it's an, it's a movie that I can easily return to. And I have, I've seen this movie twice now, you know, and that's, um, I, I just really enjoy it for what it is. So sure. The story is, is, um, not very, they don't really go many places. It's not as though you need to go, uh, or it's not like a, a place like Toy Story three or four where you're going to like, you know, multiple settings. But it is what it is. It is like it landed where it landed, and I'm I am upset that this didn't come out in like a large, uh, nationwide release. And it's kind of a bummer that Disney's doing this to uh, to Pixar. But yeah, I mean, this is an absolute. I, I would say that this is. I don't. I have never really ranked it, David, but it certainly is one of those where I'd say, yeah, it's better than probably like. Uh, some of the ones that have come out recently where I've felt more attached to it. Yeah. Hey, I, yeah. Oh, I'm Yeah. Go ahead. I was sorry. I just wanted to piggyback on just one thing that Abe said. You mentioned the ending. And I would say for most of the film, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I didn't think it was particularly deep, but I, mm-hmm. I was entertained. But there was something about the ending. I did tear up. And there was a moment, and I won't like – I'm not going to give too much away. But there's two women – that you see throughout the film Mm -hmm. that are like eating an ice cream cone and stuff like that. And there's like a reveal with those two women. Sure. And there's something about that that just touched me like, and I can't explain it because it would be to reveal like a, like a spoiler. And I don't want to to ruin that surprise, but there is, there's sort of a revelation about that. And I just, there's something about that that also speaks to how you can sort of, view this film as an allegory for other things mm-hmm. and on that level and i'm not saying that you know everybody has to enjoy the film on that level but that's kind of how i did and and it it, met, it took it to another level to me and it it, it touched me mm-hmm. yeah this is the movie where you know at the end of mulan they had uh, stevie wonder saying singing true to your heart <laughs> true to yourself <laughs> this, this yeah. is popping in but <laughs> Just kidding though, but I, I know I this is like the movie that I have had in the background more often than a lot of other Pixar yeah. movies where I kind of just have to sit down and watch. Where this one I just enjoy in the background also when I'm watching it, but it's just I it's comforting, it's comfort mm-hmm. food movie for me. It, I mean, you're you're not wrong in that respect uh, because it's you and it's your opinion, but also because I agree with you. Um, I, I, I do, I, I do think you're a human being. We respect you. I, I do think it has that kind of quality to it as far as it's just, it's a comfortable watch, but I will say, uh, as mentioned it, I find it to be a shame that we haven't been able to see these last two Pixar movies on the big screen. I mean, any Pixar movie in general, I think is regardless of how much I like it, I'd rather see these on a big screen, but yes, these last yeah. two, I really enjoy. I, I was Soul was in my top ten. I really like Soul. I don't like this one as much, but regardless, this is perfect for a big screen. It's big and it's colorful and it's fun. Like it's what I want to see in the theater. And I really hate the fact that we will be able to easily see Ron's Gone Wrong in a theater and not this movie. <laughs> but um, right. regardless, 
Zach Galifianakis making his agent make it go into theaters, huh? Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, he was. He had. He he had a Nolan vibe to him. <laughs> the one pushing it. <laughs> uh, um, but no, I um, I in terms of like the the kind of emotional factor that gets in there, it yeah, it hit me too in those you know the last like you know the the third act essentially the 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 climax and epilogue like this the stuff that gets there and I like I what I appreciate it is that it it relies on kind of a culmination of feelings that are going on as opposed to like something intensely dramatic or whatnot. Like it's about right. it's and it that's based off good character work essentially, because why else would I be feeling this way if it didn't do a good job of bringing me to, you know, this kind of point of emotion. So I, I appreciated that it really, and I wouldn't say it was unexpected because yeah, a movie like this where if I'm not getting that kind of element throughout the film, then it's really saving it for the end <laughs> as <laughs> Pixar is wont to do when it comes to some of these movies. Uh, so yeah, I was even being prepared to like get some kind of like wallop thrown at me. It still worked. And <laughs> that's, it's, that's a, yeah. uh, that's impressive. It's impressive that a studio can continually do that uh, in the way that it's able to. Um, I do want to add that. I, I think that, I think that for me, it works because like what we're all discussing it's simplistic so it's not as though my mind has to like go toward oh cool they're in like i don't know uh the italian um uh scenic you know it's not like master of Den where it's like i'm visiting 16 different spots in italy it's just one town and so like i think that i really grow attached to these characters and it really helps at least i like all three of our leads here you know what i mean like julia uh, Alberto and Luca. Um, so it's a strong set of characters and a good set of personalities, right? Like yeah. I like Luca being this kind yeah. of in. It, um, it, what's the word? Uh, intro, uh, not introspective. Intro, introvert. Introverted um, yeah. hero character. Yeah, and I like that. Yeah. Al, I like that Alberto is like he, he's like it's it's not like he's bragging. It's more of just like he has this like this like pseudo confidence to him where he wants to he can both like say he's done these amazing things but also like immediately back down from he's like oh, not really yeah like it, it's just it, like it's a very kid thing but also just works really well and yeah. then then julia comes into the frame and she's super fun too and like just finds this way to like be this you know bit of sunshine for the both of them as far as like hey yeah. we can all get along together or whatnot before you know friendships have their bumps or what have you but like it's just right. it 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 works really well. Like I, I that core trio is like you could, you know, if they make one of these Pixar shorts, like you could easily just have it just following them. I'm like they're having having a fun adventure for like five minutes. I would like, love it. Yeah. yeah. And then when Alberto just runs up that hill with the umbrella, fucking killed me, dude. <laughs> and like everything else that, that happens after that, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just with these kids. Like go, like. Andiamo! You know, it's, it's like it's incredible. So, the, for for you to be able to like make me feel that way at the last third of the movie, I'm just like, yeah, this is this is great. You know, it doesn't elevate. Does it? Do I do I feel as though I'm making it elevated because of the last third? Not really, because I think it's still a fairly like simple story. But I I just love these characters so much, and I do want to add that well, this is an open question to you guys also. Like the I think the animation style in this one is somewhat different too. Because, um, you know, these are kids in this, this town in Italy, but I don't know if you guys know, like, everybody has, like, excessively large hands uh, for their bodies. Um, and then I, I really like the way that uh, the director, he made the characters. Um, I know that he had the Miyazaki influence, and, and Aaron, you mentioned it too, but um, he makes, like, the characters speak out of the side of their mouth, so it 
like whenever they're they're uh, silhouetting you or they're profiling you, like their mouths are all fully on one side. So it, it adds to like a sense of yeah, it, it's got its own style. Like this movie has its own style. Well, David, you you tend to pick up on these things a little clearer. Like I personally, I I like I really like. There's nothing wrong with this animation as far as the quality goes. Like it's mm-hmm. it's wonderful. There's right. an excessive amount of style and color and everything. I do think the character designs themselves. To me, it felt like a little. A little house style as far as Pixar goes, but David, did you did you see something different in these characters versus other like humans we've seen in Pixar films? Yeah, the, there's there's a kind of a claymation quality to them. Mm-hmm. The, the the way their limbs are a little bit more of a hose, a rubber hose than sure. It, they're they're trying to replicate like hand drawn animation a, a little bit more. So like if you see the side of the face, the mouth actually opens, and you see it's yes, empty. it's not like the the mouth isn't on the on the front of the mouth anymore. You could see right. it from the side, and I thought that was interesting. It actually made me watch it a little bit more carefully. Like, how are these characters uh, designed this way that they look like one way, animated one way in the front view, and then animated completely different way on the side? And I thought yeah, that it was... has it has a little bit of a stop motion quality to it. Yeah, yeah, they look very much like you know clay, like it's almost like Ardman animation in a bit in a way but um i really kind of enjoyed that and yeah. the one thing that i really loved about this movie is that it felt like a director's vision which yes, that's true. Yeah. Yes. a lot of pixar movies lately and including soul it kind of feels like it was like a movie based on like a committee putting together their heads and saying <laughs> we should do it this way we should do it that way and this one was just it just felt like it, i wanted to do this movie this way and here it is yeah, I have to add to that. So a lot of people talk about Luca as being simplistic. Uh, and I think there is a simplicity to it in that it has a simplicity of vision of this filmmaker's reminiscence of his childhood. And in that respect, I think it's it 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 delivers in you know perfectly. But Soul wasn't simplistic. It it was very it had his grand ideas, it was trying to you know, present this idea of the universe, but it, to me, and I realize that everybody has different ideas about, you know, religion and the world, it didn't deliver on any of that. And I think because it was trying to cater to everyone, and by catering to everyone in its religious philosophy, it really couldn't say anything too deep. So it, that's what, that's what soul was lacking for me is that really i appreciated that it was trying to you know create this sort of grand idea but it didn't really deliver on it and here um luca is going for a much lower bar but it delivers on that lower bar in the most perfectly way possible and i think that's why for me luca is the superior film to soul to speak just to luca because i don't need to get into a debate about soul it's like we yeah um the I I agree as far as like yeah it's it's operating on a very certain level and I think the thing that the thing that bothers me when it comes to judging you know assessing Pixar is as if like there's only like one way for Pixar to go which is be ambitious and be weighty and emotional and have everything it needs to to be like you know the the supreme animated film of every any time a Pixar film comes out mm-hmm. uh, that's not to take away from Luca as far as saying like it's not necessarily those things but at the end of the day, I mean, th- these are movies meant for all ages. Like that right. is that is what a, that is what a Pixar film should be to begin with. But also, that's you know that's very much what Luca is. And I, I feel like there's 
more cynical audiences out there that just like don't want to see that like they don't want to accept that it's okay to not have the literal weight of the world on your shoulders for an animated feature just because it's coming from a studio that you know early on knocked out some stolen cold classics uh and even then i i wouldn't say all of the early pixar films are stolen cold classics but but regardless this movie like it it, you, you get a lot out of a film that just wants to be a good movie uh, you know, regardless of like how heavy-handed the messaging has to be or what have you, that's not what Luca's tr- you know striving for. It's striving to be something that's that is breezier. Breezier doesn't mean bad. It just means there's a very specific tone for the film, and I think it, it right. it's able to very much successfully achieve that by being something that yes, young audiences will very much you know go to because it's big and colorful and funny. But also, adults, you know, if if the adults are anything like the I assume older director of this film, they can really, they can connect these experiences to the experience of their own childhood, which is something that yeah. audiences would do a lot better in embracing. If they were to, if they yeah, were and that, that's kind of like what I was talking about, like this nostalgic quality of this. It's not that I've lived in the Italian Riviera you didn't? and I grew up in Italy. No, no. Mu was uh, not Italian? No, it's not. It's actually French. Um, no, <laughs> um, no. What I like about it is that it reminds you. It's kind of like a. This would be like a great pairing with Stand by Me. Where it's like it's just you and your memories from when you were a kid, and you're just like, yeah, this is what we did as kids. Like we would have fun in the summertime because we didn't have school and we met new people. But sometimes like we're just not friends anymore. I still remember some of those friends from back in the day. Um, and whatever else. I think the other thing that I really like about this movie is that you guys are talking about like the director's vision is like it's kind of like absurd at times because there's like scenes where where Luke is like um, he like has mind games within himself and then they just display it on the screen like when his mom asked him where he's been he's like don't don't say the surface and like i went to the surface and then it goes off into like this little tangent but you know you also get like the the really cool dream sequence where they're up in the the sky and he's in the stars and he touches the giant fish that is known as the moon. That's and, where that Miyazaki and, stuff comes in to me. It is, it, same, same, like same like with the cat design. I was like, this cat design cat looks design exactly sure. like a yeah. Miyazaki thing. <laughs> um, but I, I think that the other thing I really, really like about this movie is that the score really helps out. The score is by, by Dan, Dan Romer. Dan Romer, yes. Who also did Beasts of the Southern Wild. I was like, that's why it sounds so familiar. Like with like this like picked instrument kind of thing. It's like it, it's so fitting for this and it's light airy beautiful it is it really helps accentuate a lot of the features so i definitely agree with everybody here when they say like this just seems like it was this, the director's vision all through and through you know he knew what he wanted and he he basically just executed on it and you know he's been he's been tweeting a lot lately um just about how long it's been taking to make this movie get to uh, have it get done like five years three years and then working from home for the rest of it. And it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that he got what he wanted out of it. I do want to compare this to like something that we talked about this past year too, like Ray and the Last Dragon, just from Disney. It's like, you know, Aaron, I think that you're right where it's like, you know, these movies don't have to take on the weight of the world type of problems. They don't have to like necessarily be as dramatic or as like dark or thematic as, um, you know, global as Rayo was you know what i mean and and this is not to say that one is better than the other it's more like i i think that's what i appreciate about, about pixar movies is just sometimes it is just what it is you know you can be in your own world and you don't have to con or you don't have to connect it to anything else except for the the movie that you're watching can we talk about the fact of this movie about uh giant sea monsters 
Sure. <laughs> we haven't gotten into that at all very much. I I I like a good sea monster, let me tell you. And I, <laughs> I like the designs on these things. I like the whole, you know, magical aspect of them being like you know, when they go on the surface and dry off, they become human for a right. bit. I, I love that it's not there's, explained either. And there's so much what humor. What is there to explain? In... I mean, what are you going to say? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. What is there to explain? Like, so there's no need to explain it. I, I love all the humor and, like, the idea that boys cannot get wet and trying to hide the fact that they're, you know, actually monsters. And if they do get wet, then they, they show that off. And that that, that idea is is you know, it comes up many times and it, it's actually, it's hilarious every time it comes up. So mm-hmm. I never got tired of it. This is the one uh, move summer movie where the boys are trying not to get wet. <laughs> but did you guys like uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's brief appearance as the uncle? Because I <laughs> and, enjoyed and it quite singer. a bit. Yeah. I, <laughs> I laughed. Yeah. He made I, I laughed. Laugh. I enjoyed it. I, I like how um, he made him hit him really hard too. It was like a light bump, and it's like, no, no, hit him harder. And like, he actually like, sorry, and he hits him like super hard. So yeah, you, guys, you guys watched the end credits, right? Of yeah, course. yeah, of course it is. Great. That's that's <laughs> his best great. scene. Yeah. Yeah. I I just the, the something about just the design of him, the whole like see through nature of him, where I mean, talk about not explaining anything. It's like I just I get it. Like I get his yep. deal from his very brief scene. Let's <laughs> just into it. His, like his this... line that kills is just like. Oh, there's just too much oxygen up here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, or the way he says whale carcass. Uh-huh. <laughs> it just floats in your mouth. <laughs> it very much seemed like he tapped into that. He's like, this is gold. Like, and he just kept that going because it's, it's for a very brief scene. It's just, it, it just, it, it's like, this isn't gross, but I feel like it should be. <laughs> but the other thing is, I love that Pixar does the research. Like, I, I know that there, there is a fish like that. And uh-huh. then you can see, you yeah. can see the insides and they, they always, they do such a good job of taking biology and the truth, but then reinterpreting it into their animated world. And it's, it, it's right. perfectly done in that character. Yeah. And, and, and just to, on the sea monster thing again, in general, like I just, <laughs> the designs are like neat. Like it, it's, I, it, it's not that I wish this like played more to being a monster movie necessarily, mm-hmm. but like, it feels like it could if it wanted to. There are some like shots like that seem very evocative as far as like certain reveals of things where it's like this could play around with like being a little more thrilling if it really needed to be. Not that this movie is requiring that, but like I like that it the animation's there if you wanted to. The silhouettes created by these things, uh, like I, I I'm into what they're going for there. And that does bring me to one of the issues I kind of had with the film where. I get that it's light, so you can't like you can't really push it too hard, and like the emotional element of the film is in the friendship and the coming of age story as opposed to this. But I felt like it resolved itself a little too easily by the time we get to the end. Uh, the not like the main thrust of the story, but the kind of like we're against sea monsters. I feel like that kind of just solved itself very simply, and I, it just. I don't know. That was just kind of like it was. It was hitting me enough where I'm like, I don't know what to do to fix Aaron, this. Aaron, we're in 2021. Racism is over. <laughs> <laughs> and if the film had more to say about that, I guess there'd be something it could do. But again, it's too light to like tackle that kind of theme. Nor do I expect well, I mean, Pixar's Italian Vespa movie to solve racism, <laughs> uh, or you know, the nature of being out and open. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, I hear. I hear what you're. I hear what you're saying. I think. A lot of the townspeople were already of that mindset. 
and it they didn't need a lot of convincing. That's fair. It's it is my sus yeah that's my suspicion. But no, I, I get what you're saying because it was like one moment we hate sea monsters and the next moment we don't. But I have a feeling they had already sort of intellectually in in their own minds come around, and there may have been a few people that hadn't, and those people were speaking for the masses. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing again where like I just don't know how to fix that. To, that's just that's right. just that's just my interpretation at that point. Maybe if they like if that. they had conveyed that that sentiment it might have even gone deeper but i that's those two women that like mm -hmm. you see eating ice cream cones mm -hmm. gelato and then by, gelato <laughs> sorry <laughs> i said ice cream sorry gelato there you go, there you go. uh or gelato <laughs> i think they sort of represent like they were already of that mindset right I, yeah. I think the other thing aaron just to add on to that not again not necessarily that i had an issue with it but just the resolution of like a rift between friendships in this movie kind of does get resolved pretty quickly. Cause I was like, there's a moment where I was like, kind of just really, really bummed out about some actions that some characters take. And I was like, how dare you? Um, and it gets resolved pretty quickly, but it's, you know, it's the kind of thing where like, you know, the, the answer I'm searching for is add 10 more minutes to this movie to explain mm -hmm. things clearly. It's like, well, that's not going to help it either. So it's, you know, it's relying on symbolism and, theme to guide the story which is fair it's just like it's it's just like it's the little things like that that like hold this movie slightly back for me compared to like other pixar movies like that's really what it comes down to that doesn't make me mean that doesn't mean the movies you know yeah. lesser as far as like what an experience it is it's just like if i'm going to mentally rank these things like that's what it comes down to for me still well curious because I, I know that uh, david i think this is like your top eight or number eight on your list right yeah, yeah, it's above, right above Soul. Right above Soul. Where where would this go for you, Aaron? Like I currently have. Where do I have this? I put it on my my list. <laughs> I don't have a list, so Mark, I'm gonna I go. I'm gonna say the same thing. I don't have a list, but I I I really resist ranking these things. But I yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I you know, once it's not like these are things are set in stone. I've moved these things all the time. Like I have it in the I have it in like the. I mean, I gotta see this more, and I gotta like watch some of the other ones again. Like I've seen Finding Dory like twice. It's like, why is this? Is this really below Finding Dory? I don't know. Um, so like I have it where I have seventeen. I have it seven seventeen right now. Seventeen. That could change over time though, because again, I've seen the other movies much wow. more for the most. Seven. Part. Yeah, I'm kind of on David. Wow. Four movies. Well, wow. I, I definitely would put it. Wow. In, I would definitely put mine. <laughs> or I would put this in the upper half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got 24 movies. It's almost in the upper half. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in the, third, the second third. I, I think that the other thing about this is like I I do like as um, the credits roll, you just get more story. Like you just pick up on, yeah. on what if they're doing like in school or uh, how uh, Alberto is helping out his dad. It's pretty great. This could be 15. This is better than these. All right. There you <laughs> I'm, go. I'm set Thank for you. now. I'm you, set for now. It, yeah, you moved it up twice just in the span of 30 seconds. Yeah, I've got to rewatch re some of these. That's all. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, you know, that's always a fun thing with the credits. I, I will say like, I liked a similar type of theme in terms of culture and stuff. I like Coco more. I mean, Coco's in the top Coco's five for me at this point. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, yeah. But I mean, but, but Coco was also dealing with sort of a country and, and, and the traditions and things like that. Mm -hmm. Coco did that better than this does. But mm -hmm. I, I would put this, I mean, you don't know my list, but I mean, things like Ratatouille, Wally, Soul, it's it's in that grouping. Sure. 
I mean, you just named some of the best Pixar movies. Yeah. Well, I, so I think Cars, this is a really Creed. good. I I think this is a really good film. So yeah. yeah. Agreed. Uh, what else? I was going to say something else. Well, um, I was going to ask, like, you yeah. know, from because you mentioned that you had some nitpicks with it, not nitpicks, but like something that didn't work. I mean, David and Mark, what were some other things that didn't work for you guys, aside from like the story being what the story is? Wait, did, didn't work? That did not work. Yeah. Um, um, from it's from like just the like looking at the movie. I thought the sea monsters are kind of ugly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, not, yeah. not McDonald's. Toys, Those toys are gonna sick. sell off the shelf, David. People are gonna be they they're gonna put them in water. They're gonna have to get new toys. Gonna keep ruining them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean the yeah the character design for you know his family are they're really weird looking. But yeah, he's got a big mustache. Like, even as human. <laughs> But but at the same time, I thought it was kind of funny the way they look. It's those characters look very remind me of like a Miyazaki movie to me. Yes. Uh, yeah. But um, but yeah, I I, I really uh, outside of that, it I don't know. I I can't think of anything that's yeah. terrible. I think maybe when it started, I was like, oh no, is this just like Little Mermaid but a boy? And oh right, when he so was I, picking up the little objects and things like the the cards and the alarm clock. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah, and like he's when it was shepherd. whistling part of me, that kind of got me on the you know my nerves. But, uh, so I, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, yeah, the thing was like for me, it was like, oh, he's he's shepherding these fish, which made me had like this weird, awful flashback of the good dinosaur where they're farming, and it really oh, made right. me scared for. It. Is that that's that's uh, your number uh, number eight or number six, right? Good dinosaur. <laughs> the good dinosaur is number six. <laughs> oh my god! I remember oh, yeah. Twenty fifteen. November twenty fifteen. David could not stop talking about how great the good dinosaur was. I remember this discussion. <laughs> just, just, every day, when you, every day, he'd wake up, he'd knock, he'd knock out his dinosaur alarm clock that he bought, and just get be like, "Hello, dinosaurs," and just go to work. Uh, I think The Good Dinosaur was the first Pixar movie I didn't buy a single toy for, not even a cheap one. Oh. It was that bad. But um, but yeah, when you have a dinosaur <laughs> movie and the most interesting character is the human, that's when you have a problem. <laughs> that's a great point. Mark, were there any issues you had specifically? With well, so one of the things, and this is like anybody who reads my blog uh, knows that I have a staying with the voice, voice cast and feeling like the voices match the culture and the and the the thing that we're doing and it it often feels like american voices doing you know uh these parts and the voice cast is all over the place in this film there's there's aspects where it sounds like hey i'm italian and then there's other people that sound like they're just american (laughs) we've lost all the italians Well, that's and that's in the film. I mean, yeah, this, I know. this villain also Aaron is was doing as everything Italian in the first the 30 villain, seconds. I have no idea what you're talking about. The vocal, the local bully is as stereotypical as you can possibly imagine any character to be. Who a girl um, in Visconti? But, I, <laughs> but, and, and, but he, and then there—he's really the, Italian. He, no, no, and 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 I'm, but to be so, I'm actually advocating that I would like the people to sound a little bit more like I've seen so many films. I'm not even going to list them, but there's so many films of recent years where uh, you're, it's set in a country and everybody is American. They, they may, they may be different. They uh, may be technically different ethnicities, but they have American voices and they do not re they don't sound like the, what you're trying to see. Anyway, Jacob Tremblay, I mean, to be honest, I like him a lot, and he he's has Canada's greatest book. actor. Yeah, 
he has this tonal quality to his voice that is so sweet and innocent. So I'm going against what I'm saying because he, he does not sound Italian. But so I, I, it's a mixed thing. But it, if I am going to criticize, it is like the voice cast is all over the place. This it, makes me wonder if we should do an experiment. We should like watch the movie in its Italian track with the subtitles. And, I thought about doing that because it, it, yeah. it does have it. That, like that might be an interesting experiment to do. Right. That would be no. So that's a really good suggestion. So when we do our Hotel Transylvania special. <laughs> Where we talk about all four films, because we'll have watched them all, obviously. We'll also report on our, our thoughts on the Italian dub of Luca. <laughs> I bet it's probably pretty good. Pixar puts the effort I, I in. I bet you it's great. Yeah, yeah. It's probably pretty good. Yeah. I, bet I, I know like some of the, like, the same guy that does uh, Visconti, he reprised his role for the Italian language movie, the dub of the movie. Makes sense. By the way, uh, Peter Son, uh, director of The Good Dinosaur. Was it Good Dinosaur? He directed Good yes. Dinosaur, yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad crowded. that I'm glad that Pixar still is giving him some work because sometimes well, they can really he's, show he's you. Not part, he so, didn't get fired I, from I, Pixar. Like he's in. He the, didn't I'm get fired, the, but you know he hasn't directed okay, so anything. I'm on. I'm on this podcast. I'm not. I want to go on record. I don't think the Good Dinosaur is the worst thing they ever did. Pixar. Don't yeah. say car too. Yeah, I was like, you're gonna probably get it it's, geared toward the Cars movies, but I, I'm saying do, I, I, I'm glad that Peter Son showed up because I haven't no, seen his I, name credited in a lot of places lately. I mean, he's worked on every Pixar movie. <laughs> no, 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 he, also, he hasn't helmed another one though. Wait, wait, wait hold on. I want, I want to hear Mark's worst Pixar movie. Hit <laughs> it. I, everyone might know it. If do you know? I mean, I assume you're gonna say Cars too. Cars two? No, no, no. It's not Cars two. Is it Brave? Oh, it's Brave. <laughs> Brave's, Brave is the, Brave's the, the second worst, worst one on my list. So. I mean, it has a protagonist that is completely unlikable. Like, I yeah. she turned her mother into a bear. She's and trying she, to save it. She's, try, she's trying to reverse that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I could not. I could not uh, abide by that. Yeah, that 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 one definitely felt as though there was like director conflict. Le- with le- one of the least likable protagonists of any animated film. I'll just I'll say Abe. Hey, I'll say this. I mean, there's a lot of the recent Pixar movies where. The director hasn't come back to do another Pixar movie yet. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I about that too. That's not. Un, I was, was looking up my Asian brother here. And if I'm not mistaken, David, didn't Peter Song come on late? Wasn't someone else directing The Good Dinosaur? Somebody else was, and he took over, and they had mm-hmm. to like redo it. That movie took forever. It got delayed. It's like the movie that got pushed like four times or whatever because it got. They had to like rework yeah. everything about I mean, it. They had, to, they had to make sure that flood scene was realistic enough. Like Peter's. I mean, Peter Sons doing oh, like the, the, good, did the movie a favor. The good dinosaur <laughs> had the idea that the human was like the pet, and the pet was like the human. Was so yeah, yeah. Innovative. He goes to find his family. I don't think I don't think the premise is and bad. Farming. I don't think the premise was bad. My issue was when they when they pitched that to me without seeing anything. I figured, oh, so it's like modern times, like a real city and stuff, and there's right. dinosaurs that are everything. And then said it's just like, oh no, it still sucks. Yeah, like, it's, 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 still, just, it's still in the Cretaceous period. Yeah, it's still yeah. just. No, the the trailer. No, it's not the, the trailer period. It's modern. It's just dinosaurs. Like oh, the, the, oh, they the, took the, over. The comet <laughs> never hit Earth, so dinosaurs remained for years, and so technology never developed. Yeah. Uh, wow. What but also, movie. with Brave is my third uh, on my third least. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the, so, so, so good dinosaur is your worst. Good, good dinosaurs. So what's your second worst, David? Inside Out. <laughs> Inside Out. <laughs> what? Yeah. She plays yeah. hockey. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the reason why you just like it. Away. No, no. It's, anyway, it's that doesn't make any sense. Uh, it doesn't because even David and his it, opinions it, on Pixar movies. Broccoli so hard. Yeah, Dave, David. I actually, I actually really enjoy your your opinion about Inside Out, David. It actually it was like, oh yeah, when he explains it, yeah, I can see that. 
it's legit. I don't rank it. I don't rank it <laughs> high either. I, I like it a lot more than you, but I, it's not, it doesn't top my list. But yeah. regardless, back to Luca. Well, let's talk about Luca more. No, yeah, I was like, I should probably finish him on Luca. <laughs> well, let's talk. Let, I, I want to talk to about. To be honest, other... I was enjoying that conversation. <laughs> I want to talk about something real quick. I haven't mentioned at all. Yeah, all right. uh, Massimo. I really like Massimo, the He's character. Great. He is great. Yeah. I like that. I mean, the movie is it, it's. It, it it's you know he's a disabled character he has his one arm um that's Makes not about it that's that's clearly not stopped him from having a great life it seems he lives in the italian riviera he's a successful fisherman and he seems to get he, look how big he is he's, he's doing and his job his daughter's amazing yeah like he, he makes great board shorts uh-huh <laughs> but I, and i i, I don't want to i don't want to spoil anything but i i i think alberto thinks he's a pretty good guy too yes i i really i i do i'll say this i really like the connection that they form because there's one there's one moment it's not it's not even the end yet but it's the first moment that made me like get emotional it's when alberto's like first gone and massimo's reaction is where did he last see him like he wants to like immediately go and get like yeah Yeah. and it's like that's so cool like just that like it's very sweet it it is very sweet and it's also stuff that's like it's not like it's been overly highlighted as far as that relationship that's forming between the two of them it's just something you've kind of like seen here and there but you get it you get what that is did you you see during the end credits what he gives him as a gift oh yeah and so it's just like all that that's the kind of stuff that i think these oh this movie we'll have to talk about the end credits too this that's this kind of stuff that this movie and ones like it i think do really successfully where it just it's able to like build up these relationships without having to like you know, spell it out for you. Fairly you just, organically. You just, yeah. yeah, you just get it. You get what it is. And so when the when you know certain moments hit, they hit the right way. So. Right. And Massimo's just he's just a cool guy. Yeah. Would you want to say about the credits, uh, Mark? Well, just I I I mean I, I of course I don't want to spoil anything, but I I did enjoy how the end credits were almost like a sequel to the film. Yeah. Like you're like I I was like riveted to like wait what's happening? Oh they're doing that. Oh and now they're gonna do that. So mm-hmm. I it's- I enjoyed them. Up when they had the end credits, you know, they shows them go see Star Wars and stuff. Right. I like I like that. It, it's yeah. fun. It, it gives more closure to the closure of. Well, and it, and it gives you. I, I don't need a reason to watch end credits because I am who I am. But it's nice if you. <laughs> I am who I am. Because, okay, Popeye. <laughs> you know, I I think I'm speaking to the choir right now. But like for the the masses, it's nice if you give people a reason to sit there and watch them because. Right. Sometimes I mean, it's like, nice this... to see. It reminds me of like something like Wally, where it's like, oh, Wally does that exactly. Great. Yeah. yeah, I love how I've I've gotten the the epilogue of what happens after they return to Earth. You know, maybe maybe we're all just duped and they just got too lazy to animate those endings. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is actually a three-hour movie. <laughs> yeah, this is the conspiracy I'm finding. They they're actually not giving us the real ending of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually one of the new Disney Plus uh, TV specials, the laziness of Pixar. It's ten parts. Uh, just goes to all their offices. They just stop working after a certain point. <laughs> it is what it is. Ship it. Yeah, we, we get you. Pete, Pete, doctor's like, I just want to go play basketball instead because he's like eight like, foot. He's like eight foot two. So. Yeah, he's like yeah. yeah. He's, he's we can't make this deadline. Oh, it's okay. Just uh, draw the end credits and uh, we're done. Yeah, we'll, we'll get a uh, goofy. Yeah. We'll, ju- we'll just say it was the good dinosaur's fault. <laughs> Any other thoughts of significance on Luca? <laughs> No, I, I think the last last I and mean, we sort of talked about this um, is just more of what's up with the is there like a political thing going on with Disney just saying like I'm not going to release this in theaters like what's going on with that? The, Does okay. have uh, if you want to talk about OK, so the Disney Plus exclusive release for free, no premium charge. The the best I mean, because they're not going to come out and like 
say this. Like, I think that the best reasoning for why it is that the Pixar films keep going is that it's a power move. It is Disney saying, we have the best animation studio, we have new movies from them, and you can watch them on our streaming service for free. That's how great we are. That That is really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's like you don't have you don't have to pay for these movies that come from the the you know the critical darling like Oscar winning Pixar studio. You can just get you just get movies from them. That's how great our service is, and that keeps them in the limelight, in between you know major things. And uh, you so know, the, I mean, the idea would be to get more subscribers. Yeah, exactly. To get more subscribers. I feel like they have a lot of subscribers already, but I, I guess there's. I mean, they, they need yeah, more exclusive content from like the Marvel stuff, but also like it's just unfortunate because like what we've all said, this would have been fantastic. I would have gone to go see this in the theater. In, like, the most expensive seat. Now, I mean, it, it's devil advocate a little bit, but I understand their position at the time where they don't know what this pandemic's going to be months earlier as far as how that's going to be. Like, it's like, can we, is it going to be good for us to release a movie like this in the theaters? I don't know. That's right. not, that's not, the, it's not, it's still flimsy. I get that. And their, and their yeah, next movie is I going to be you. in theaters. I hear you, but then they charge thirty dollars for Raya, thirty dollars for Mulan, thirty dollars for Cruella. We all exactly because like, that's their that's their business side kicking. It's like well, we that still doesn't gotta, make we, any sense. We still got to yeah. make money in some capacity for some of these. But things. yeah, when you give Soul for free and then Luca for free, I get what you're saying. I get what yeah. they're doing, but from um outside perspective, it was like I'd rather pay for the Pixar movies. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, I, but, I'm not saying I like it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. I, and again, I'm just asking for like whether there's additional clarification from other things that I feel intuitively. Uh, but you know, I think right. like the best comeuppance is like, hey, Soul won an Academy Award. You know what I mean? So take that, Raya, or take that, Mulan. And I mean, the thing That's is, it. with the, you know, <laughs> wait, wait. The, the thing, the thing is with these also the ones that have pay on them is like. That's really just if you want it now. Like you can you can watch Raya now for free because right. three months later that's fine. So I mean it's you're you're paying for convenience in that regard. Like yeah. there's I you know they're a studio and they've been doing this a while. They know what they're doing. Like it doesn't mean I agree with it or whatnot, but it's like they, there's a logic that they've assigned to these that relates to yes, obviously the pandemic, but also the fact that they're pivoting to streaming heavily. Clearly, I don't know if they know what they're doing. They're just doing it. I mean it's on. it's working for them. I'll say that it's like it's because they have the monopoly on it. it. It's 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 a mix of yes, they do. It's also it's also what potential do some of these films have for the block for the box office? Raya is a different situation that probably would have made a good amount of money, but something like Cruella was a, would be a gamble. Like it was in a good spot, but at the same time, I mean the results aren't that high so far. And even then, that came out in theaters. That came out simultaneously. But something like I don't know, like Artemis Fowl last year, a movie we all loved, obviously. <laughs> that's one where that saved them. The fact that they could just put it on the streaming service because they knew that was going to. Did he bomb. find his dad in that movie? I forget. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fucking cares. <laughs> 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 he did, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, thanks some, for the clarification. Some of this is speculation, but was. I mean, that's really what it amounts to. Like, there's no. Yeah, I know, I know. And again, like the political movedness of it is just like not my favorite because again, these movies are fantastic. They don't really come out that often. Um, I'd be pissed off and, too if I was a Pixar, if I was in the Pixar animation yeah, studio. Yeah. Like, if oh, if I you're in Emeryville here, here, you're just like WTF, mate. Like, I worked hard on this movie, and you're not going to give me like the credit that I deserve. Like, yeah, again, like, these movies are not difficult to make, or these movies are not easy to make. First, Tom Cruise almost launches a nuke into my building, and now this. Like, that's what they're saying in Emeryville. <laughs> Wait, what's the Tom Cruise reference? Ghost Protocol, of course. When they when they delay that nuclear bomb, it, it hits the building in Emeryville because Brad Bird wanted to make a Pixar joke. 
It's not the Pixar building. It's just Emeryville in general, yeah, but still funny. Close by. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Mission accomplished. All right. When should people go and see Luca? It's obviously it's streaming exclusively on Disney Plus. <laughs> on Disney Plus. I, I feel like I know the answer to this, but when should people see this movie, David? Wait, wait. Did uh, did Abe just say Disney Plus? Yeah, I, I watch a lot of the watch on, or I listen to a lot of the watch on on the Ringer. <laughs> All right. Um, where should they see Luca? When should on- they see it? Oh, I mean, uh, tomorrow night at 7. Boom. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Whenever they want, as soon as they want it. Okay. Yeah. Mark? I mean, if you don't have, immediately, if you have Disney+, Plus, if you don't have Disney+, Plus, subscribe to it. Yeah. I, I can't give a yeah, better it's recommendation. Like 70 bucks. It's probably a it's, trial. It's probably a free it, trial. It's so <laughs> worth it. Right. I mean, there, there, there's many streaming services. I would say Disney Plus is definitely, if, if you subscribe to three, it should be one of them. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm not getting any money from Disney Plus, but if not you yet. want to yes. send me money, then. <laughs> Your Venmo is what? <laughs> <laughs> Mark.hoven. <laughs> no, no. All, all right. I, I, I agree with Mark. I agree with Mark. I, I made a joke answer, but yeah, you should see it as soon as possible. I really like this movie. Oh, I definitely got the sense that you wanted to see it immediately, Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you you recommended it. No, we're no, we're on the same page. If, if you have other thoughts on the movie, <laughs> the, by the way, for the people who tune in late to the podcast, <laughs> that happens. Yeah, they they look like at radio. They download a bunch of podcasts and just play it for twenty four hours, and they tune in occasionally. So I get it. Is that a thing? You think people do that? Like they just download a bunch and just have it on just to be like radio. Anyway, um. <laughs> By the way, Abe, if you have questions for the director, you can email him at Enrico at uh, gmail.com. I'm sure that'll, that'll pop up. Is right. that his – yeah. He's and, actually been very responsive on Twitter. We should just tweet at him. Right, let's tweet at him, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I, yeah. Would, I would rate this – this is an IMAX theater movie. And I know that we had some of the issues with it, but I would have paid an IMAX price tag to go see this. Um, and then, yeah, go see it immediately. It's streaming right now. I agree with Mark. Just sign up for a subscription. Go check it out. Yeah, watch it immediately. I mean, it's there. There's literally nothing stopping you. It's summer. It's a summertime. Feel movie. good. Feel good. Yeah, it's it's exactly feel good. It's the kind of like I watched it the first time on like a streamer and it looked like it looked good, obviously, but it's like, ah, oh, this is a streamer. I watched it again in the 4K. It's like, my goodness, this is so right. amazing to watch. Especially and when they get to big, the town. It's, it's a big it's, difference. And that's the streaming version of Disney Plus. When this comes out on like 4K Blu-ray, oh, oh my God, I know it's going to look amazing. Yeah. Like I watched uh, I watched uh, Godzilla vs. Kong this week on 4K on the disc. Uh-huh. And like, you're like, wow, these scales are amazing. It, I mean, it fucking looks incredible. Like, I, <laughs> like I already enjoyed the, you know, the 4K stream on HBO Max, but it's so crazy how great physical media is when it's like, look how great this is when it's not yeah. compressed. And, <laughs> and you have an ability to f- rewind and pause and fast forward on DVD that, or Blu-ray that you can't with streaming without you know like I mean? without like, like having diff- to wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just it's different. It you is. gotta scrub it on your mouse. Yeah. <laughs> But um, anyway, we all like Luca. We all recommend seeing it right away. Yes, please see it. Benicio. Um, all right. What'd you say? I said Benicio del Toro. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. It's the land of wolves now. <laughs> Silencio Bruno. <laughs> Do we know who Bruno is? No, it's just some guy. Again, he asked him, like, why is it? Why is he named Bruno? It's like, I don't know. Because I, I watched that second time thinking, did I miss something that first time? Was there actually somebody that is Bruno? But we didn't get that. Okay, It's just Saucer Baron Cohen. I get it. All right. Let's uh, <laughs> let's move on. Let's get Abe. What, uh, what time is it here? Aaron, it's time for a quick game here. Beautiful. That's actually the, the song that plays when you actually win the, uh, the Porco Rosso Cup. Porco Rosso. Porto Rosso Cup. Yeah, you get Porco Rosso as a prize. It's a big pig. You get to eat it. <laughs> 
<laughs> in the form of Benchetta. Um, I've got uh, two games for you guys here. The first one here is uh, it's kind of like a guessing game. Both of them are guessing games, but do you guys know? You guys will all get guesses. Is that the title? What the highest grossing Pixar movie is domestic box office. No, Dom- no inflation. Domestic box Ooh. office? Yeah. David. David. I want to go with, oh, shoot. Finding Nemo. I would Finding say Incredibles 2. Okay. And then Aaron, what do you have? Domestic box office? Domestic box office. Not, not adjusted for inflation. Damn it. Uh, hmm. Well, you guys, you said Incredibles 2. You said Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. I think it's one of the Toy Stories. Which one? Did four make that much? I'm going to say three. Three. Okay. It is Incredibles 2. Okay. Not adjusted for inflation. I feel like Finding Nemo would have probably been up there, David. It is, in this instance, it is sixth with $380 million. And then Toy Story 3... You said three or four? I said three. Three. Four hundred and fifteen million. Incredibles two, six hundred and eight million dollars domestic. Yeah, it made a ton. Wow. I do that. Made I, a ton for a, I didn't re- I didn't remember it was that high. That's a lot for domestic, especially. <laughs> I was surprised because I thought it was gonna be one in the findings where there was Dory or Nemo or even Toy Story Four, but I was like, Incredibles two. Well, what? like all these last ones of the last ten years, they're all billion dollar these sequels anyway. They're all billion dollar grocers, but that's worldwide, so that's what domestic totally. goes. Because like I know Dory made a billion. Incredibles 2 obviously made a billion. Toy Story 4 and 3 made a billion. <laughs> like, it's that's insane. Right, yeah. it's you named all the billion dollars. And even inside, inside, even inside Out, a movie that's completely original made like 800 million worldwide. Like, yeah, it's insane how much. This. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't ask for worldwide box office because <laughs> Inside Out, 855 million. Um, the next game is on a scale of, it is uh, the scale of Metacritic. This is where I'm going to name a Pixar movie, and we're going to go so everybody gets a chance to answer here, but... Um, you tell me what you think it is on a Metacritic scale. And again, Metacritic goes from 0 to 100. So first one here, A Bug's Life. Aaron, what do you think A Bug's Life got on a Metacritic scale? Hmm. Bug's Life. Uh, hmm. I'm going to... 68. 68. And uh, David, what do you think A Bug's Life got? Hmm. I, I feel like it's going to be a lot lower than I give it. Um, so I will give, I'll do 65. 65. And Mark, what do you think a Bugs Life got? I would say 75. 75. It is 77. Mark, you get Ooh, that. Oh, look at that. Woo-hoo. Yeah. The next one here, Toy Story 2. David, what do you think Toy Story 2 got? Uh, 99. Wow. Uh, Mark, what do you think Toy Story 2 got? Um... I would say 95. 95. And Aaron, what do you think Toy Story 2 got? Put me a bit of a pickle here. <laughs> What's up? You put me a bit of a pickle here. Uh, I guess I'll go slightly lower and say 94. 94. Aaron, you're the closest. It's 88. Huh. All right. Metacritic. What's up with that? Because I know it's one of the rare ones I think on Rotten Tomatoes has 100%, if I'm not mistaken. From back in the day, yeah. Uh, that next one here. Finding Nemo. Mark, what do you think Finding Nemo has? He's You're deep in thought. Oh, he's, he's on mute. I thought he was just deep in thought. Sorry. Um, I will go with 90. Okay. Aaron, what do you think Finding Nemo got? Nemo! Um, I will say... <laughs> Is that your... <laughs> it's my Albert Brooks. 
Um, My hands are a little dirty. It's more like Walter Matthau. Um, <laughs> Nemo. Uh, <laughs> what'd you say, Mark? Sorry. He said 90. 90? Jeez, uh, the Metacritic is 87. 87. And David, what do you think Finding Nemo got for Metacritic? I'll give it a 95. 95. Mark, it is 90 exactly. Good Ooh, job there. What? Look at that. Bang, bang. Oh, well, it helped Shot that it down. was an even number like that. Uh, the next one here, The Incredibles. Aaron, back to you first. What do you think The Incredibles got? <laughs> 89. 89. And David, what do you think The Incredibles got? Mm, 85. 85. And Mark, what do you think The Incredibles what, got? What is the highest? 89. Uh, well, then I'll say 90. 90. <laughs> it is exactly 90, Mark. Hole <laughs> <laughs> here. Uh, the next one here, Brave. Mark. I Denver. actually thought it would be like 95, but... <laughs> 90s are a great guess, though. Uh, the next one is Brave. Uh, David, you're up first. David, what do you think Brave got from <laughs> this? This has to be the highest on a scale of ever, by the way. Pixar goes what they're doing when it comes to this. Yeah. Every uh, now and again, we've got to throw into Brave. Uh, 80. 80. Mark, what do you think Brave got? I mean, that movie is horrible. <laughs> I'd say seven, 70. 70. Which is still a good score, but... Yeah, it's still a passing score. And Aaron, what do you think Brave got? Like, it was well-reviewed. Um, Great curly hair. The hair was the breakthrough. They had, there's, like, yeah. there's like hundreds and thousands of strands or something they animated for that. Yeah. 70, so... Hmm. David guessed 80, Mark guessed 70. Do you go in between that? Like, is it that high for Brave? 68. 68. The answer is 69. Boom! Between you and Mark. I almost said 69 also. Right. <laughs> we're not doing Price is Right rules. So the question that I have for you to tie break is, uh, Mark and Aaron, you guys both get an answer here. What was the domestic box office for Brave? Domestic. Mark, you got to go first. Gosh, I have no idea. Um, I will say... Two hundred thousand million. Two hundred, two hundred million. You mean? Or I mean, two hundred million. Okay, two hundred million. Right. Aaron, what do you think the box domestic box office for Brave is? That's twenty twelve, right? So twenty, yeah, twenty twelve. So that's our first box office gamble. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's me piecing this together. <laughs> I feel like it was fairly high. Good, good stalling. So I'm going to say two twenty five. The answer is two thirty seven. So Aaron, you oh, get that point. All right. <laughs> couple more here uh coco uh i think who started last time david so mark what do you think coco got mute um uh, i'm gonna say 85 85 and aaron what do you think coco got remember me 87 87 and david what do you think coco got 95. 95. The answer is 81. So, Mark, you get that what? one here, too. That is too that low. Is yeah, for, for something that is, like, you know, top three or top five. 
in everybody's list. Uh, two more here. I don't like this game. I don't know what to think. <laughs> Onward. Uh, Mark, what do you think Onward? Or did Mark, did you just go first last time? Yeah, he did. He did. Aaron, what do you think Onward got? We're probably more big with on, or like lower with on yours. Um, I'm, I'm gonna say 72. 72. And David, what do you think Onward got? Mm, I'll just say 50. 50. And this, this, yeah, I hate this game. <laughs> Mark, what do you think Onward got? <laughs> Uh, so Onward is not one of my favorites either, but I will say 60. 60. It is 61, Mark. You are just wow, that's pretty chilling low. this game here. The last one, last one here. That's David. impressively low. I'm surprised by that. 61? Yeah, it is. Have you ever noticed, so Metacritic is a little more well, cause reserved. It aggreg- that, well, because it aggregates yeah. based off actual scores total. Right. So, not, not on whether But it's you... always been lower than Rotten Tomatoes. Well, it, it would have to oh, be because it's, yeah. you know, it's not just yes or no. It's yes and how much. Right. Yeah. The last one here, Toy Story original. Uh, Aaron, or, uh, Aaron, you went first yeah, last time. So, David, that. what do you think Toy Story got? 93. 93. And Mark? Um, I will say uh, 95. Okay. And Aaron? I was also going to say 95 because it came out in 95. I will go 96 because, Abe, you've got a friend in me. Oh, that was nice. You should have gone for 95 because it's exactly 95. (laughs) I know. I knew that. I saw that coming. (laughs) That's hilarious. Mark, you ran away with this game. I'm so glad that I got to go before Aaron. Uh, with all that, that was on a scale of Pixar films. So, Mark, congratulations on running away with uh, that. You should uh, test your knowledge for more Metacritic uh, scoring. Good job, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. And that was games. Great. Thank you for that game, babe. Yeah. And I didn't even want to play no, games. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. David, next time you're on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, make it so that it's one in your wheelhouse. Yeah. We should have an all-star out now for Oops All Games, where it's everyone that doesn't like playing the Oops game. Oops All Games? <laughs> so, so Aaron, it's going to be me and Marcus. And David, apparently. <laughs> and maybe maybe David. Yeah. Well, I, I like don't, it don't like generally, it. but I, I, I don't like the Metacritic one. Yeah. No, and also, go, going against Aaron is impossible. He's... When it comes He's to trivia games, yeah. you gotta find games that are difficult for Aaron. Abe, you're no slouch either, by the way. You know, you, you know what I, you know where I, I can match Aaron is if we do things like pre 1970. Okay, I'll remember that for next time. It depends on Italian what, films. It depends on what we're talking about. <laughs> like if we're talking about like only musicals, like like yes, maybe it'd be a little difficult. Not just musicals, but like romance and there, there's, you know, some of those. Even, I mean, even Hitchcock, which I know you love, but... I feel like you're underestimating my knowledge in these areas, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to uh, now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com shutdown podcast, where we go over the number of uh, questions and answers on our Facebook page. We got a number of answers here, and... Uh... Yeah. Uh, the first question is, what are your favorite animated coming-of-age stories? Mark has an American Tale, The Lion King... Irene uh, writes, not me, Mark, but somebody no, else. No, yeah, different Mark. Mark Paces, a friend of the show. Uh, Irene writes, uh, Spider-Man colon to the Spider-Verse. 
uh, friend show Michael Lee has inside out with a whole bunch of emojis uh, to simulate all the feelings that you have. Chris has spirited away. Do you guys have any favorite coming of age stories? Animated coming of age. Animated, stories. animated. Spirited away. I mean, that's I love called. spirited away. Spirited away is yeah. a pretty good answer. Pretty good. Cries when she eats. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Kiki's delivery service. <laughs> that was, I was, I was about to say. Yeah, about to say Kiki as well. I mean, she's got to go away on her own. <laughs> is Paranorman coming of age? Sure, why not? He's coming of age, right? He's learning things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, he's got to keep. He's a, he's the keeper of the books now. Yeah. Exactly the keeper of the books. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say Paranorman as well. I, I love that film. That's a great movie. Out now, favorite. Yeah. Uh, David, if you think anything, just shut it out randomly. Uh, any, okay. at any time. Next up, we have what are your favorite films set in Italy? Chris writes, has to be Cinema Paradiso. Even visited the main square it was filmed in. Mark Paces writes, I was very entertained. Gladiator. <laughs> and Todd has The Godfather. I, I, I mentioned this earlier, but uh, Roman Holiday. Roman Holiday. Ocean's 12. I mean, I like Ocean's 12 a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it does look good in Italy. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean... Well, uh, what was the 800 blows taking place? The 400 blows? The 400 blows, yeah. 400 blows. Oh, you see, you saw the sequel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the sequel. Also, Is there a sequel? Because I would yeah. love to see it. <laughs> It was a four-hour-long Cinemax movie. Maybe I'm not. Maybe it wasn't. Cinemax. Yikes. I'll shout out the trip to Italy. The trip to Italy? Yeah. Because why not? They go to. They go. They're all the places in Italy. They go to a trip there. If you didn't notice. (laughs) There you go. Uh, The next question is: What are your favorite films set underwater? Chris has Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. The Big Blue. And the Abyss. Todd has the Little Mermaid. Any other your movies set underwater? I mean, shouting out the Life Aquatic is. I mean, it's, I love the Life Aquatic, so it's, yeah. <laughs> that's a good answer. Finding Nemo uh, comes to mind. Um, so, Mark. Oh, I was gonna say. Well, so the Abyss. I I would second that, and then also Whale Rider. Oh. Yeah, well, writer, he's in, he's a fledgling new to flight. I guess I guess the uh, and uh, goes underwater at some point. There's moments. Yeah. Yeah. Half half of the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which half? The one that's underwater. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was it was literally half half the Titanic. <laughs> uh, I, you're here. Let's see, Deep Blue Sea. I'm just answering for Mark Hoffmeyer, friend of the show. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. What minute is he on right now? He's on Deep Blue Sea 3 now. Oh, already? Wow. Yeah, they're doing those chapter by chapter. I'm going to be on that show uh, in like a, like a, few, a few weeks. Yeah. If he's not wearing a sleeveless cutoff shirt, is it even worth it? Well, we're not talking about Fast and Furious. It's a big difference. <laughs> All right, next question we have here. Release the Kraken. What are your favorite film featuring sea monsters? Todd writes The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm-hmm. Jay, a friend of the show. Todd's a friend of the show also. Uh, Jay has Deep Rising, which we did a commentary for. Uh, Chris has Leviathan, Godzilla, and Pacific Rim. Mm. Obviously, Just Godzilla's coming to mind for me. <laughs> right. Well, also, how can you say release the Kraken and not think of Clash of the Titans? And I'm 
talking about the 1981 version, not the 2010. Not Sam Worthington's? Thanks for, thanks for the clarification. No. Yeah. <laughs> the one with Laurence Olivier. Yeah. Um, and his equal, Harry Hamlin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never heard of any of those guys. Um, I'm going to say months. Atlantis, the Lost Empire. That's a good one. Um, I don't know if he's a sea monster because he only shows up for like one second, but you know, the Norwal and Elf where he's like, bye buddy. Hope you find your dad. Your parents. (laughs) Like a narwhal, right? He's a narwhal. Yeah. Not a monster. They, they exist. Not a monster. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I'm offended on his behalf, honestly. (laughs) Well, I apologize, Mr. Narwhal. The, uh, the beast, uh, the beast for 20,000 fathoms. That's a fun one. 20,000 leagues. No, the beat. No, the the, the beast. The beast are twenty thousand fathoms. Okay, right. Twenty thousand leagues. That's just you know, there's a big octopus in the middle. It's, of that movie, it's a giant like, squid octopus. Yeah. Like the rest of that movie is like not about a giant octopus. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk Douglas doing some really good stuff in there though. Yeah, he's playing the banjo. Like it's it's great. <laughs> or is a ukulele. He's a guitar. It's one of those things. One of those. Yeah. yeah. Singing and dancing. But he's doing it. Okay. How about uh, Wes Craven's uh, Swamp Thing? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> Why not? I mean, starring iconic French actor Louis Jordan. And uh, Adrian Barbeau, right? And Adrian Barbeau, yeah. yeah. Pirates mm. of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Speaking of Krakens, there's a Kraken. I mean, speaking of the Kraken, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, the next question is, what are your favorite films about childhood friends? Mark, uh, not Mark Hoban, uh, writes The Sandlot, and Todd writes The Goonies. Hey, Stand favorite- by me. Yes, yeah, Stand By Me. Any favorite childhood friend movies? There was one I had in mind, and now I lost it. I'm trying to think of it. <laughs> um, probably... Um... E.T. Yeah, he's an extraterrestrial. <laughs> Drinks a lot of beer in that one. It's weird. Uh, honey, I Trust the Kids. Bears. There you go. David, do you have any favorite childhood friend movies? Mm, no, not really. <laughs> All my movies he, are about adults. David grew, yeah, he grew up. Uh, I was about, I was about to say Home Alone, but he's by himself. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't need to, Kevin doesn't have any friends. Big turn, big turn on about him. Well, in part two, he has the bird lady as a friend. So, uh, the Social Network, yeah. a bunch of, bunch of kids, the Social Network, friends. there you go, a bunch, of, yeah. bunch of friends in that movie. Yeah, exactly. Point zero three percent. Yeah, outsiders. Yeah, the outsiders. Yeah, the outsiders. yeah, they're always hanging out outside. Never and, uh, in. and Rumblefish, of course, right, Mark? Just you know, one after the other. Of course. Uh, all right, Scott Pilgrim. They're childhood friends. Sure. Yeah, in Canada. <laughs> yeah, the laws extend there about friendship. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next question. What are some favorite films featuring shapeshifters? Todd hmm. has T2, the T1000. Chris has the oh, thing. Oh, that's a good one. Chris has, Chris has the thing, and Irene has American Werewolf in London and Cat People. Hmm. A lot of shape shifting here. Well, I mean, so obviously this question was because of Luca. I have to say, The Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. She gets legs and knows how to use them right away. Versus Luca, he's like, I don't know what <laughs> oh, this. Oh, Gir- girls also... develop faster than boys, Abe. Oh, got it. Okay. <laughs> also, another animated film, The Sword in the Stone. Um, Merlin was a shapeshifter. Yeah. That son of a bitch. About, Remember, he uh, turned into a fish. And... 
She's a bird. How about yeah. a, 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 a sleeping Sleeping Beauty? She, she turned into a big old dragon. Yeah, the, the queen? Yeah. Yeah. And she turned into that old woman. That's well, Snow White. I mean, that was like by potion. No, well, that, that was that's, Maleficent. That's that's Snow White. Oh, am I thinking of a different movie? <laughs> You're combining old evil women in Disney movies. <laughs> You're combining Wolf. asleep women and a man who kisses them without consent. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. Ponyo. <laughs> Ponyo? Ponyo. She, sure, she turns into like a... a... Yeah. Also and Ponyo. she loves ham. <laughs> what was that, David? I said also Ponyo. Ponyo. I never called it Ponyo. Uh, oh, so uh, Aaron, you'll have to see if this if I'm correct, but wasn't Rihanna a shape-shifting entertainer in Valerian? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. a, a great role. Because she was like an alien in reality, but she looked like Rihanna, like, in the, like the thing. <laughs> Right. There's a whole mess of a thing in that section of the movie. <laughs> it's a fun part. I just had another one. Willow. <laughs> Willow. I'm out again. There's all kinds of shape shifting in that. Tons what of the it. hell happened to you? That was great. <laughs> Win this war for me. Uh, uh, Moana, of, right? Moana. Moana, yeah, shape shifting, yeah. I mean, like the grandmother turns into like a stingray, manta ray. I'm gonna say Ducktales the movie with the murloc. Full titles, David. Treasure of the Lost Lamb. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad that you knew it immediately. <laughs> so necessary. And I was so annoyed. <laughs> uh, Teen Wolf. Actually, it, I think Aaron is looking for DuckTales the movie, colon, Treasure of the Lost Lamb. <laughs> You're not hey, supposed you to say the colon. <laughs> That's no uh, on this show, David. Yes, we, we do, do very much. He does. Well, if you've listened to the show, uh, yeah, it's he's. We, oh, we, we are a we are a PP podcast, pro punctuation, Mark, Mark, baby. Mark, that's that's where you get me. If I listen to the show, <laughs> I'm sorry. How dare you, David? You've, you've only been a you've is. only been a frequent guest on it since 2013, but yes, it's fair <laughs> enough that you don't want to listen to our show. Sorry to bother you, is my last. We've only answer. been friends for eight years. Uh. So, sorry to bother you, and spies in disguise. There you go. What's the last um, question, Dave? The last question and, is: and Are there Harry any other films that make you hungry? Todd has Beauty and the Beast. Probably looking to go oh, eat good. clock. Yeah. Animated movies that make you hungry. Ratatouille? I mean, they make some okay, really yeah. good. Lady in the Tramp, Pasta. The tramp. There's yeah, probably some spaghetti Miyazaki. action there. Which Miyazaki movies make you the most hungry? One of those has to do it. It's got to be Spirited, Spirited Away. away. Spirit yeah, away. Yeah, he's the most, oh, yeah, Spirit away. The most gluttonous yeah. of the, exactly. the Miyazaki it's films. It's all, it's all that it's about. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a feature-length film, but how about Oscar-winning animated short, Bow? Yes. Yeah, of course. Oh, what, how could I forget? Guys, you cloudy want to with a chance son? of meatballs. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> you want to eat his son. <laughs> I mean, he's delicious. So. Which yes, Italian movie made you most hungry for pasta? Um, Which Italian movie? Good I mean, question. Pro- pro- probably the trip to Italy, honestly. That, that's a good yeah. Multiple courses in that. I, I mean, watching Luca, that damn uh, pesto looked amazing. Yeah, the director tweeted <laughs> out the, the uh, recipe for it. He Straight did? Out. Oh, gotta find he that. Did. Anyhow, that was uh, feedback, feedback, feedback. Yeah. Feedback. Good round of feedback, guys. Thank you, listeners, for submitting yeah. all the answers. And remember, go to, go to our Facebook page around uh, the end of the week, because we've got plenty of questions there to uh, log in some answers that we love to read yeah. on the show. 
but with that said, that's going to do it for this week's uh, episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work in my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. You can also find me writing on We Live Entertainment for movie reviews and wisetoblue.com for Blu-ray and Criterion reviews. I am also on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose, hashtag silencio bruno, hashtag team under the dog. Mark Hoban, where can people find more of you online? Yeah, you can find me uh, on uh, fastfilmreviews.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter, Mark underscore Hoban. David, yeah, where can people find more of you? Um, right where I am. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> Android 742 Express. Evergreen Terrace. <laughs> yeah, AndroidExpress.net <laughs> online, and uh, Android Express on Instagram, and uh, yeah. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HHWLOD. Feel free to email us your thoughts on Luke or anything else we talked about today at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, where you can answer our questions. Or tweet us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And get our weekly picture featured status updates at instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. Uh, Mark, David, thank you both for joining us this evening. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, David. Of course, stupidos. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me. Uh, you brought it back, you uh, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to have Mark on as always, David. We'll see. Uh, thank you all for listening, <laughs> of course. David, and... we're going to do a uh, marathon of uh, Tales of Hotel Transylvania, so now you have to watch all of them. So, Oh, no, uh, that's you. We'll see you next I'm week. I'm the one that watches the fourth movie. No, no, we'll see you guys all back in October for the, our, our, our talk of all four of those kinds of videos. But yes, until next time, that's going to do it. So until then, so long. And goodbye. Goodbye.